Yeah, so we have a speaker today. He's not a guest because he's one of us. We all know and love Jay, right? Let me tell you a little bit of story about Jay, though, okay? Is that okay, Jay? <laughs> so we're, when I was starting at the church, uh, Jay and I knew each other from high school in, in Oregon. He was a couple years younger than me. He remembers me as like the, uh, uh, what was it, the, like the emo youth leader, right? That's what he called me. I was not emo. No, I was, I was hardcore, okay? Band shirts and skinny jeans. Uh, and so Jay, I called him. I said, hey, uh, why don't you come down here and help me plant this church? And he basically said this, no, I don't think I'm really going to do that. But uh, Tyler would probably go. <laughs> and he's like, call Tyler. So I called Tyler. Tyler's like, okay, I'll come down. He actually had like a job offer already in Austin, which was really weird. So Tyler came down. Uh, and then like a few months later, Tyler and I Skyped Jay. And we're like, you really got to get down here. <laughs> and so Jay ended up making his way down here. And he's just been uh, just an awesome, faithful help at our church. And uh, he's going to be teaching this week um, on a pretty cool passage. And so, Jay, I'm going to give it to you. Have a great time, okay? All right. Amen. All right, all right. Now I can whip out the dirt on Stephen now that I have the mic, you know? Let me tell a story about Stephen and the time I crashed his car and never told him. Um, <laughs> I already told that story up here, I think. So, um, yeah, today we are going to be talking about uh, John uh, chapter 6, verses 22 to 71. And we're going to be talking about the good, the bad, and the weird. So there's going to be some really interesting stuff uh, today. Uh, but before I do that, man, I want to break down something kind of new that I've been doing. And it, it drives Gretchen nuts because it's, it's what I'm always researching like every second of the day because this 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 new way of life for me, which is the keto diet. And I'm really bummed. There he is. Josh is here. I want to give Josh a round of applause. He's the one who got me on keto. Uh, he's the keto master. So if you don't know what keto is, it's kind of interesting. And, and it's all going to tie in. Like I'll always you know, make sure I apply something unless I go on a rabbit trail, which happens often. But the deal is, like with keto, you basically cut out all sugars, all carbohydrates. So no more bread, no more candy, no more noodles, no more Pop-Tarts, all the good stuff, right? No more of that. And then what you do is you take your fat content and you just like take it up to here. So you just eat a ton of fat on the keto diet and then like seven to 12 cups of like vegetables a day. In addition to that, you fast every day until like one or two o'clock. So it's like intermittent fasting and at the same time you're not eating any keto, uh, like you're not, or sorry, you're not eating any carbs, you're on the keto diet. And so the whole deal is that you're supposed to switch from carbohydrates as an energy source to fat as an energy source which takes the body a little bit of time. It's a little uncomfortable. You start the first week, like any Whole30s in here? Gretchen's on Whole7 right now. Any Whole30s right now? No? Whole30s, like another trending diet right now. You eat like all the whole foods, basically, and uh, you stay away from carbs as well. So anyways, you start to slow down. Your mind gets like real, real low. And in the office, like I had to tell everyone like, hey, y'all, I'm not going to be friendly this week. Like it's going to be rough that first week. And it was because your body's like switching over to this new energy source. And so uh, today we will be talking extensively about bread because Jesus claims to be the bread of life. And it's this idea that we'll be breaking down that there's an energy source to life. There's a staple to life. There's a necessity to life. And similar to, you know, keto, 
switching from carbohydrates to fats, so we too can switch from the temporary breads of life to the eternal bread that Jesus would offer. Can I get an amen? Amen. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, before I do that, though, I'm just going to pray um, again because I love prayer. And Father, I just pray that you'd speak to us today. I pray that you would just open up your word to us and uh, just that it would just be so clear, God, that we'd all feel loved on today by you. We'd all, fall, all feel uh, drawn into your arms, God, and just that you'd really show up here and do something special. So thank you, God, for everyone here. And Lord, we just take everything that we have and we're putting it at your feet right now to just learn from you. Thank you for who you are, God. Amen. So John 6, 22 to 71, it's a pretty huge chunk of scripture. Uh, when I saw that, that's what Stephen had given me. I was like, wow, you're, you're a lunatic, Stephen. You're going to give me that many verses and expect everyone to be out of here in under two hours? Like, good luck. <laughs> so I was reading all the old dead guys, right? And they're all like, this cannot be taught in one sermon. So I'm going to do that today. Uh, I'm going to go through, they all break it apart into like three different sections. Um, and so uh, we're just going to kind of get through it and we're going to learn a lot. Um, Granny here said something really special this morning, which is uh, the Bible is its best commentary. Like the, in, in other words, uh, we're going to read scripture and it's really going to teach us a lot today. Um, so first, uh, what I will be talking about, just a really brief overview. This is going to help you categorize if you're like me and that's how you think. Uh, you're welcome. So first, what we'll go to, if we go to the next slide, is Jesus will address the crowd, Jesus will address his disciples, and then Jesus will address the 12. So we're going to see just this, this breakdown of who he's speaking to, and it's all about the same thing. And so we're going to see a few um, overarching points, which one, Jesus is the greatest bread that we will ever receive. Again, Jesus is the greatest bread that we will ever receive. We'll see this again and again and again. Number two, man wrestles to see Jesus for who he really is. As a human being, we wrestle to see him for who he is. Number three, God is drawing you towards Jesus. You were created to know him, and he's calling you by name. God is drawing you. So those are the main things that we're going to see today. Um, so, yeah, let's hop into it. Um, verse 22, I am the bread of life. So on the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? So it starts off and it says on the following day, uh, this is where Stephen had taken us uh, here a couple weeks ago now. And uh, this is right after the miraculous feeding of the 5,000. And uh, basically, they, they cross over the Sea of Galilee. And then they're wondering, where did Jesus go? We saw the disciples go, but Jesus wasn't with them. And so basically, what happened was 
Jesus, he's not really going to answer this question. It, the, the honest answer would have been this. Like, Jesus, we didn't see you come over here. And he could have been, like, really plain with them, which he didn't do. Well, I walked over the Sea of the Galilee, and then I, I, I walked over the Sea of the Galilee in the night to help my disciples. And then, like Stephen talked about, then we miraculously transported from the sea to the shore. So we kind of have this like fun thing. If you didn't listen to the last sermon, it's really interesting. Uh, some commentators think that they teleported. Others think that that's just where the sea winds brought them back so swiftly. It's kind of just this cool piece of scripture. We don't know. All we know, Jesus is king over everything. And he is king over the elements. And the, the really good point that Stephen made about this miracle of Jesus, how did you get here, was if you believe that Jesus was at the, at the that at creation from the forefront, so he was always at creation. Then there's no issue to no issue with us believing that the Creator could also walk on the sea. There's no issue believing that the Creator can do whatever He wants. And so, if we have enough faith to believe that Jesus created the world and was there with the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, then we can have enough faith to know that He can walk on water. And that's a, that's a beautiful, very simple uh, truth. And so um, if we go to the, the next slide, we're actually going to see kind of what this journey looked like. So this is the Sea of Galilee. I wanted to kind of put a visual there. It's a beautiful place. Uh, raise your hand if you've been there. Has anyone been here? All right, we got one. Steven, you've been there? No? All right. So this is a this is a really beautiful place, and uh, we can see we've got Nazareth, uh, and we've, we've got um, where Jesus was raised. And so we see kind of this trail along, and then we see uh, the Sea of Galilee. We've got Tiberias, and then if you go up, 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 we have Capernaum. So it's much more convenient to get in a boat. There's so many people following Jesus at this point that boats wouldn't have been an option. That, that's a lot of boats for this, this big of a, a group of people. We've got this huge crowd and they're trying to follow him. And so they're gonna make that trip on foot. So many by boat, but a lot on foot are gonna make this trip to get to see Jesus. They're really interested in what he has to say. Uh, he's just done this, this huge miracle of um, what we talked about last time we were in John, which is just, taking these loaves and multiplying them and giving all these people just this endless amount of bread. So uh, the hands of Jesus do this incredible miracle to feed all this huge crowd that came out to hear him speak. And now they're like, okay, we want another, like we, we want to see him again. So they're going to chase after him. So if we look at verse 26, um, I just realized I still have gum in my mouth. So I'm going to take that out. Rookie move. <laughs> No, it's on, a, it's on my little piece of paper here. It's on my gum pad. I, I thought this ahead of time, but just didn't fall through. So there you go. Uh, verse 26, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, in other words, signs that I am the Messiah, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. And then he drops this cool line. He's like, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. So they're asking him, Jesus, how'd you get here? He doesn't answer the question. Instead, he says, I know why you're here. 
Why are you here today? Why are you here? Are you here to hear another message and then go about your life without actually following Jesus? Are you here today to just get a good edifying word that helps you be a better moral person? Or are you here today to get to know Jesus, to have a relationship with Jesus, to walk with Jesus? This crowd is showing up, and this is, this is the, first, the first group that he's going to address. This is the crowd here, all these people. And they, they were here for bread, to see another miracle, to just see something cool. They're here for a show. They're here for the, the celebrityism of it all. They're like, wow, this is cool. This is electric. Like, Jesus is so, so, like, you know, new age. He's teaching all these cool things, and he's doing miracles. He's healing people, and he's uh, giving us bread out of nowhere. He's making wine out of water. This guy is, this guy is pretty cool. And so he just addresses them at the front. He's like, why are you here? You're not, you're not here. I'll tell you why you're here. He, he goes on further to say, uh, you, you're not here for me. You're here for the, to see the things that I do. Um, I think I'm going to talk about this a little bit later on, but I'll just get it out there now. A lot of people like the things of God, but reject God himself. Man, I love church and church community. I get to go and be around all these people and they're like-minded and they, they love, you know, just like getting together and eating a bunch of good food. But then... There's the, there's the God himself. Man, I love church. Anytime I'm in need, the people help me out. What about God himself, who is the one ultimately helping you? What about God himself, who's the one ultimately providing you community? We love the gifts of God. We love the benefits of God, but we struggle to love God. They wanted the bread, but they also just wanted to display for something miraculous. They wanted a show. And they did go through a lot of trouble to follow him. You know, we have something, um, I think we can relate to this. And um, I, I uh, love this next slide. Has anyone heard of the Bobby Bone Show? Anybody? We go to that next slide. Um, Anybody? Bobby Bones show? Bobby Bones. Yeah. So if you listen to, to, to not Christian country, I was going to say that. If you are a Christian, you should listen to this country because it's the only, only station acceptable, right? So we got Bobby Bones up there. And we've got Amy. She's our saint of the crew. So she's the one who loves Jesus and gets to kind of openly talk about that. Uh, so when I moved here, I got addicted to this because I was used to a different, um, a different country uh, station. And uh, those guys were so funny. I was like, man, what am I going to do? Now I'm in Austin. Like, I just went from a really country place to, like, a really not country place, which is Austin. And then, and then this is the representative. Does that guy look country to you? <laughs> no, no. It's all a facade. But um, anyways, so we went to a concert recently. And uh, when I say we, uh, myself, Gretchen, Adam, Adam, uh, what's your brother's name? Coleman and uh, Anna. I was trying to say like Anna and I don't know. Anyways, so we went there and we're seeking out like these celebrities, right? To us, they're like, they're like, 
We just want to meet Bobby Bones. We don't care about the guys up on stage. Literally, the people who were singing up on stage were standing right next to us. We didn't even care. Like, we're like, we want to meet the Bobby Bones show. And so for me, my goal was to meet Lunchbox. So we go to the first, the first one. And there it is. We got Radio Lunchbox. We got the selfie. Uh, got it in. Next one. Um, Gretchen got Amy and she was literally crying. She was so excited. Gretchen was crying to meet her. And then the next one, this is the crew shot. Look at Lunchbox in the back. He is doing something weird up there. And uh, we've got uh, uh, Eddie in there. And Eddie's definitely a favorite too. And so anyways, the thing that I was thinking about with, with how we create celebrities is when we meet a celebrity, um, raise your hand if you've met a celebrity. Who's, yeah, yeah. So we've all met a celebrity. President sure, president counts. When, when someone's in front of you and like, you're like, wow, this person is really, really cool. Um, you kind of like get a, little, get a little nervous, you turn a little red, and you just don't know what to say other than this selfie. You know, that's like, you know, like what you take a selfie with me, you know? Um, because we are so like just intrigued. The thing that I realize about celebrities though is oftentimes we don't care about the person in front of us. We care about what they're known for and what they've done. And uh, I feel that this is the way that the, the crowd was with Jesus. They're like, oh man, this guy is cool. And they're marveling at him. They're so intrigued by the things he's known for and the things that he've, he's done but they weren't concerned with the actual Jesus, the human being sitting in front of them. Um, we need to be absolutely concerned with who Jesus is, um, not just the things he does. Don't stop at the gifts of God. Get to God himself, where the gifts are coming from. Amen? So Jesus is going to continue to address the crowd. So verse uh, 28, we're in John uh, 6, verse 28. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? So the crowd's asking Jesus, what do we need to do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answers them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So this is a really beautiful question. Okay, okay, so Jesus, you're here, and we have an opportunity to ask you a question. What must we do to please God? Many people believe that in order to please God, you have to participate in a formula. This plus this equals God's acceptance of me. So you have this people group, this highly religious people group coming to Jesus and saying, Okay, teacher, you're brilliant. We can see that. You know the scriptures. We can see that. You have some miracles underneath your belt. We're hearing about that, and that's kind of raising some alarms over here. But we're the guys who have grown up studying the law. Now tell us, Jesus, you're going to answer this for us. What do we have to do to please God? They're thinking very formulaic, which isn't a word, but I am going to make it one. So there's a few different belief systems here, and I just want to break these apart. If you're, if you're a math guy or gal, you're going to like this. Belief one, a lot of effort plus works equals God's approval. 
So you do a lot of things and sorry, you, you do a lot of things and you put a lot of effort into it. Okay. Now God will accept me. So you've got a belief sitting up there. Belief two, a fair amount of good deeds minus a reasonable amount of bad days equals God's approval. And then look at the little, the little asterisk. If value is above uh, greater than zero, right? So basically what that says is if you're having trouble interpreting my weird equation is that if you have all these good deeds and then you've got some not so good deeds, you know, as long as your good deeds are better or greater than your bad deeds, then you're good. You would be surprised, shocked to know how many people believe that. How many people believe, well, I just want to make sure my good deeds outweigh my bad. This is the most popular belief of our culture today. Belief number three, Jesus's works plus my belief equal fruitful life destined for eternity with God. Thank you. I know it's like in the way of everyone. And so we have this stage right now set up and um, it's not ours. It's the school's. It's totally in the way. I don't like that thing. Um, anyway, so we have these three beliefs. So a lot of efforts and works equals God's approval. If I do enough, if I try hard enough, God will accept me. And then we have the greater than zero. Oh, my good deeds outweigh my bads. And then we have Jesus' works plus my belief. We want to be in the camp where we don't have to do all of these actions, all of these checklists, checklists where we don't have to climb the mountain because we can't. What scripture says that all of our good deeds, all of the good things that we could possibly do, all of the righteousness we could possibly attempt is but a filthy rag. Like, in other words, you can try and you can try and you can try. You can fester up strength day to day to discipline the body, to discipline the flesh, to commit to reading as much as you possibly can like they had, to memorizing like they had. But if you miss the fact that it is nothing other than the work of Jesus that earns salvation, that merits salvation, then you have lost the mark. And your work is futile. What belief system are you operating under right now? If you're trying to do more good deeds than bad deeds, on a bad day, you're worried about your salvation. Oh, man, if I die today, Jesus isn't going to accept me. I've been so bad this week. He couldn't possibly love me. I'd have to work and do a bunch of sacrifice to the Lord and tithing and, and community groups and prayer for at least two or three months to pay off this debt of sin. You can't work out of your sin. The Bible puts very straightforward something that we can call the human condition, which is that we're born into sin. You know this if you have kids uh, really well. <laughs> Kids, kids are sinners, right? You have a toddler, they're screaming at the top of their lungs. They're telling you no, that's their favorite word. You can tell, man, like from the time we're born, we are born into a broken world. And we are broken people in a broken world. The only way out is through the works of Jesus, not your works. 
is through belief in Jesus, not belief in yourself to muster up enough strength to just discipline your body just enough. Um, so verse 30, let's read that. Jesus is still addressing the crowd here. So they said to them, okay, Jesus, if uh, the answer is that you believe in him who God has sent, which we believe you're saying about yourself, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you, Jesus? What work will you perform? Our fathers, they ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written. They're going to quote some scripture here with Jesus. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Okay, so they're about to try and get in an argument with God. Um, good luck, right? And so they're asking him, okay, so if you're telling us that we have to believe in him who God has sent and you've been saying that that's you, show us a sign. What had Jesus just done? Why were they there? If you're struggling with belief here today, you're probably here because God already proved himself to you. God shows us signs and then we forget. God shows us clearly who he is and then we forget or we demand more. Who are we to demand more from God? They're asking for more. And why are they asking for more? It's fun and it's exciting, right? <laughs> Do the thing that we love. You get a musician in the room who is a celebrity and you don't want them to just sit there. No, play the song. That's what you're known for. Jesus, just heal. Just do a miracle. That's what you're known for. That's what we want you to do. That's why we want you here. Give us a show. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, he's saying this with so much grace right here. It was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Okay, this, this is cool. Jesus just flipped the script. He said, okay, first of all, you're, you're addressing me as if Moses was the one who was performing these signs. You're talking about Moses, the guy who self-proclaimed to have a speech impediment and was too afraid to go and speak for God. You're talking about Moses who struggled with doubt and disbelief. No, no, no. It wasn't Moses. The story of Moses isn't about Moses and Moses' glory and how we should be like Moses. We've missed the mark if we're trying to be like Moses. The story is always about God. The story is about God, the gracious God, calling his people and taking someone who's just a, a failed human, a flawed human with lots of sin and junk in the closet and all of this just, 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 Stuff separating us from God, but him using that for his glory. The story of Moses is not so that you give glory to Moses. Let me repeat that in a better way. The history account of Moses is not so that you can say, let's be like Moses. It's so that you can be in a place where you say, let's follow and serve God. Let's give him the glory. So he corrects them. It wasn't Moses who gave you bread. No, no, it was my father who gave you bread. God is behind every good thing in this world. 
Every good and beautiful thing that we have is from God. He's the one that we give glory to. You got a raise? That's from God. You have a family that loves you? That's from God. God is the giver of all good things. And then he, he says that, that line, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. He's going to start introducing the bread more and more. And then this is their response in verse 34. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Okay. I, I love this because it, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of funny. Um, they've almost just agreed with him. Oh, you know what? That's a pretty good point. It wasn't Moses that we were supposed to be looking to. It's, it's okay, we're, we're supposed to be looking to God. Point taken. Valid. They do not address him as Lord. They address him as, sir, give us this bread. They're speaking to a rabbi at this point, a teacher. They're questioning a rabbi at this point, a teacher who's known for some pretty controversial stuff. Verse 35. <laughs> Jesus says to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Okay. Sir, we want that. We want gifts from God above. Sir, we want that. Yeah, we, that sounds great. God gave manna to Israel in the wilderness. We also want that spiritual bread from God. And then he's like, okay, okay. You want the bread? I'm the bread. Jesus just claimed to be God. The Messiah prophesied that this people group was looking forward to. Jesus just claimed to be the prophesied chosen one, the Messiah, God himself in the flesh. And he says, if you come to me, you're never going to hunger. If you believe in me, you will never thirst. There are a lot of people in this world, including us, who are just looking for bread to fill their lives, bread to fill their stomachs. What I mean by that is something new to be excited about. Something on the edge that gets you through the next few weeks. A new fad, a new obsession, a new source of excitement. But God... He's the one who satisfies our deepest hungers. He's the one who satisfies our deepest thirst. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? What are you trying to fill that void with? Is it the bread of the world? Is it temporary things? Are you filling your life with temporary things that do not help you while this vast void in your heart is just sitting there empty, needing the life, the breath of Jesus. There's a lot of people obsessed with like signs. Um, so I, I have this picture. I, when I typed in Jesus is the bread of life, we have this girl. <laughs> this is for sale right now and it's being preserved. It's a piece of toast with the face of Jesus on it. 
She said, like, I took it out of the toaster, and here Jesus was. And now it's on sale for, like, I don't know, $100,000, something ridiculous. So if you want to buy that, uh, we can start bids later. Um, but th this idea of Jesus being the bread, it's just kind of a confusing thing for a lot of people. And I believe that they were very confused. But ultimately, bread is a staple. Bread is a main supply, necessity, a daily enjoyment, a nutrient-rich substance. Not that kind of bread. That's like the white stuff that's like bleached and not even real. Um, I'm on keto, so I don't even need that bread. I just do eternal bread. Um, <laughs> it's something that they depended on for survival. Um, so this idea of bread wasn't just this like, here's a loaf of bread. Like we think of that and we're like, unless that thing is Dave's killer bread, like I don't care about that. That's lame. Um, no, bread was like their main food source. Um, it was like their main thing. And then we have Jesus saying, I'm your main thing. I'm your staple. I'm the one you need to depend on. I'm the one you need for tomorrow. Uh, verse 36. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. Many of us have seen the work of Jesus. We've been around the work of Jesus. Uh, we've also seen the transformation, uh, the, the transformation of others um, in our lives and surroundings. And we know that Jesus is at the root of that, but we still do not believe. Have you seen Jesus, but you refuse to believe in him? Verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. If you are under the impression that your good works have to outweigh your bad works, and then you're good, you probably have a heavy heart because Satan's coming to us, and he's saying, look, there's no sense in you going to God. He doesn't want anything to do with you. You're a failure. Your life is a mess. God doesn't want anything to do with do with you there's no sense because if you go there's no way he's going to open that door for you and the enemy will plant unbelief in your heart belief that God will not receive you because sin separates us from God and then the enemy enters in and says yeah you're not getting to God there's no way you're a mess but Jesus says this whoever comes to me I'm not going to cast out I will keep you in my embrace. I will protect you and I will love you for eternity. This is a promise from Jesus. If the Father gives us over to him, if we are drawn to Jesus and we accept him, we believe in him, he will not let us go. Christ has not given up on you. He wants you. You don't have to clean up and then go to him. No. Instead, you are to go into him as a mess, as you are with all of that stuff that's in your life that's just corroding your soul. You go to it and you give it up to Jesus. And you say, I have life because of you and what you've done. And you love me and you accept me as a father accepts a rebellious son. You would do anything for me. So the Jews grumbled about him. This is verse 41. Because he said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is 
Not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? In other words, the people hear this, this, this claim of Jesus, and they're grumbling. He's still addressing the crowd at this point. They're saying, isn't this the guy that we like played little league with? <laughs> isn't this the guy whose mother was supposedly a virgin? Isn't this the same Jesus of Joseph who we play like poker with on Saturday nights? Like we know this guy. He's a local. We, and now he's claiming to be God. How does he say he's come down from heaven? Jesus answers the crowd and he says, do not grumble amongst yourself. This is verse 43. No one can come to me unless the father who has sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets and they will be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the father except he who is from God. He's referring to himself. He has seen the father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. This is a way to say, okay, you're grumbling right now, and you cannot come to me unless the Father has drawn you. In other words, you lack understanding right now. 1 Corinthians uh, 2.14 states this, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are fully to him. And they are not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Um. And so we have this, this idea that there, there's this, this mental block and they're unable to see Jesus as God. They're unable to see Jesus as the Savior and as the King. And all of this to say, he's basically saying, the Father hasn't taught you this. They're saying, oh, we're going we're gonna to quote Scripture to you. No, no, the Father did not teach you that. If the teachings in the Old Testament and the New Testament don't point towards Jesus, then it's not from God. Because it's all about Jesus. All of it, from beginning to end. And he gives another promise. I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I'm the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Okay, that's a little weird. That's a little bit different. It just went from a regular service at church to cannibalism. Like, what is this? What are you talking about? Why are we eating you all of a sudden? They're like following, following. And that was a pretty good, whoa, whoa. What did he just say? You know, people are getting a little fidgety. Jesus says, okay, your, your forefathers, they ate manna in the wilderness and they died. That manna was not their eternal solution, but I am your eternal solution. The thing that I'm about to do, the good thing that I'm about to do, the reason I'm here is because I am the eternal bread and I will save your life for eternity. Do you distinguish that there's more to this life than your flesh and your bones? You're an eternal being and you need a savior who can pay an eternal debt. The Jews then disputed among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? 
So Jesus said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, he's going even more into detail now, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. This here isn't a sacrament. This isn't the institution of communion right here. This is the abiding in Jesus, the living in Jesus, the being a friend of Jesus, the allowing of Jesus to enter your heart and transform you and change you, change your identity, change your heart's desires, to change the way that you see the world. This is allowing God into your life. And this is abiding in Jesus. It's, it's saying, man, my whole life is just going to be focused on you. My whole life is going to be about loving you. And in doing that, we participate in a couple things. One, we participate in his death on the cross. And that's why we get baptized. It symbolizes our death to sin. We bury that. But then secondly, the resurrection with Jesus and our new life resurrected into a new spiritual life with Jesus that is rich, that is beautiful because we are with Jesus. So we are to die with Jesus and these bodies are just a temporary thing and we are to be raised up with Jesus into eternity. As the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds on me, he will also live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like the bread the fathers ate. It's different because they died again. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And then it's clarifying Jesus was saying these things in the synagogue. It's kind of interesting. Jesus is claiming to be the fountain of youth right here. And if anyone's like misinterpreting that, I can imagine there's like an old guy in the back. He's like, if Jesus is the key, then I claim the right thigh because that looks good. <laughs> you know, like I'm going to get eternal eternity here by eating Jesus. <laughs> so we have like these, these probably these old people there in the room. They're like really confused at this time. And there's other people they are like following slightly. And there's other people and they're like, I, I just give up. I don't know what this guy's talking about. He was so good. He was doing miracles. And now he says this, I'm uncomfortable. So we have a lot of different things going on. Uh, people are just thinking different things, and Jesus continues to preach, and he just hit it again and again and again. Eat my body, drink my blood. Now he's going to address the disciples. But there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was that would betray him. And Jesus said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by the Father. So now Jesus is addressing his disciples. He's addressing all the people that are there following him, right? So we've got the crowd with the naysayers, and we've got the crowd with the dedicated followers. He's addressing the followers. He's telling them, I told you, no one can come to me unless it's granted by the Father. And this is the cool thing about, um, about God, is he's always drawing us. God is drawing you today. He's drawing you into his presence, drawing you into his truth. He's drawing you into a life of fellowship with him. It's the Father that draws us, and then we are to respond. Will you respond 
to Jesus. After this, now he's going to address the 12. So we had the crowd, the disciples, and now the 12. Many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. People are now leaving Jesus. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answers him with something that's beautiful and brilliant. It's one of his shining moments, as opposed to the ones where he puts his foot in his mouth. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Where else are we going to go, Jesus? You are the answer. Jesus then answers them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. So he's speaking to the twelve, and he's saying, Even one of you who have been drawn in will still betray me, even after all you've seen, after all you've witnessed, after experiencing all of these, these, these amazing moments with the Savior of the world, the prophesied Messiah, even you will miss the mark. Perhaps you've been around Jesus for your entire life, but yet your heart still betrays him. I'm not talking about a rebellious person who is saved and struggles. I'm talking about a person who's been around Jesus day after day after day like Judas, but still doesn't have a heart transformation, a calling and a longing to be with your Savior. Jesus has been drawing you the whole time. Judas was shown love by Jesus, even in the washing of his feet, but he still refused to acknowledge that Jesus was the Lord. Where's your heart at with Jesus? So what do we need to, to gather from all of this? I'm just going to go back to the first three things I gave you in the overview. Number one, Jesus is the greatest bread we will ever receive. Your life needs Jesus. Your life needs a solution for eternity. Jesus is that bread. Number two, man wrestles to see Jesus for who he really is. Your human condition is that you will doubt Jesus. You will refuse to believe Jesus. But number three, God's drawing you towards Jesus. You have the greatest thing you could ever receive. You have this wrestling and this struggling, but you have this God who's drawing you in. He's drawing you day after day, action after action, person after person, word after word. Are you going to respond? Do not wait. Do not waste your life. Call on Jesus to be your savior. Call on Jesus to come in and to transform your heart. And God promises he will take residence in your soul. God promises he will give you the very spirit of God within you. And it will change everything. Do not delay. God has already proven himself to you. God has already showed himself to you. Now it's time. You've been drawn. Make the decision. Father, I pray that we would take this to heart, that we would abide 
in you and you would abide in us. Jesus, I pray for anyone on the fence today that they would make that decision. They would call on your name and you would save their soul. You would take that, that, just that, that weight off their shoulders and your spirit would come in. God, that it would heal them. I'm going to say a, a prayer right now. And if this, is, this, if this is for you, then call on Jesus. If you're ready to receive him. Jesus, I accept you for who you are, which is my Savior. Jesus, I accept you as God over the universe. Jesus, I accept you as the soul I am, the only Alpha, the Omega, the only one who deserves kingship. Jesus, I accept your sacrifice on the cross, and I choose to be buried with you in sin and to put that to death and to be resurrected with you and to have your spirit come in and take residence in my soul. Jesus, I desire to follow you for the rest of my life. Amen. If you prayed that for the first time, we want to talk with you. We want to get you plugged in the community and we want to see your life desperately in love with your Savior. Thank you, guys.